Alright, let's look at Revelation chapter 1. And we'll read ver start reading in verse 4. The Bible says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come the Almighty. So for the first few weeks we kind of did some introduction and last time we met we talked about the first few verses and you know who was writing this book. Of course we got the Apostle John probably somewhere around 95 years old while imprisoned on Patmos after being boiled in oil and Patmos don't get the idea that this is just kind of a, you know, it's secluded, but it was a prison island meant for hard labor, too. So it wasn't like, you know, well, we're just on this island and we got a bunch of free time. I mean, he's, he's in a prison uh, confinement area. And we have him uh, being, he's the last living apostle at this time. I mean, he, he, all the other apostles... Everybody else from Jesus' ministry during those three and a half years is gone. And he's left. Why is you know he the last one still? Well, guess what? Christ wasn't done with him yet. He had one more book to write. He had one more book to write. So Jesus gave him a direct revelation of the end times. Of what is to come. And we have... Uh, Christ giving these visions to John and John pinning this book. And when we've talked several times about verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep these things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. <clears throat> so we don't take lightly the study of Revelation. We don't take lightly the study of any book in the Bible, do we? I mean, we give honor to what's due, and I, I particularly love um, how um, most of our uh, ministers um, teach through one book at a time and just start in verse 1 and get to the end. I mean, we're not skipping over things that might be kind of difficult or, or uh, controversial, right? And there's a lot nowadays that people consider controversial. I heard a quote just yesterday that was from... Um, I. I the name wasn't given to me, but I could probably associate it. They said the quote came from 
a gentleman that runs one of the largest churches in America now and is out of, uh, I think, Edmond. So that should pretty well pinpoint who we're talking about. Um, he said, don't let theology ever get in the way of ministry. <laughs> well, now, wait a second. And I kind of maybe sense what he's trying to say, but he's way off. I mean, way off. People are important, and we should love people, and we should minister to them. But the theology is the base of that ministry, right? And John is giving us and telling us there's things that are important, and Christ is given to John these things. These things are important. I'm going to point them out to you through this vision. And we're to read the Bible, we're to study the Bible, and then we're to keep the things which are written. And I, I sometimes think we get, uh, we stop at reading, reading here, and we don't, we kind of forget about the keep part. We want the blessing at the reading here portion, not necessarily the keep portion. So, can't help but go back a, a verse into verse three. But as we move on into verse four today, now we're moving on into, it wants my face ID, so. I don't think that works. Um, we're moving on into a different section where verse 4 says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now we got a whole new section we're getting ready to go into. And I, I love this part. Because not only are we going to be studying, and we're going to get there, we're going to get to the vision of the end times and Christ's second coming and Christ's ruling and final judgment right we're gonna get there it's coming but first he says you know what I got some things I need to say to some these churches I got some things that I need to say to some churches that are um, that are that are uh, important and so we have John to the seven churches which are in Asia so which churches are they this is a very crude drawing of Asia and then, of course, the Mediterranean Sea would be down here. But you have these seven churches, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Smyrna, Ephesus. And a little bit of um, not to scale, of, of course. We're going to be spending some time going over each one of these churches and what Christ, remember, what Christ has to say to them through John. But first, today, we're going to kind of take a little bit of a helicopter view of what, why and when, what do these seven churches, what do they have, uh, what is their place here? And John begins with just kind of as a greeting, just like he would his other books. He says in verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace. Who doesn't need some peace right now, right? Or any time. Just grace be to you and peace. Grace means the favor and blessings of God. Remember, we're writing to churches. We're writing to seven churches. And these seven churches are a picture of all the churches to come as well. So when you, if you're, as we're sitting here studying, yes, the letter is written specifically 
to address specific issues maybe in Pergamum or to address the specific issue in Philadelphia, but it's also applicable to Central Baptist Church here today. So as you sit here and as we continue to study this, it should be personal to us as well. And John continues, just grace means the favor and blessings of God. It means that God takes an active role in our lives and he looks after and takes care of us. I mean, we want God to have an active role in our lives. Can, and to not have an active role and God not be a part of the, our life, can, I mean, I can't imagine that. But there's lost folks out there today that don't, don't have that or don't recognize his role. Um, he provides all the good and beneficial things in our life for us, whether physical, mental, or spiritual. And I need help in all three of those from time to time, don't we? I mean, and it may, some of them may come at the same time and some of them may come separately. I mean, you're going to need God's help. And we need His grace and we need His peace. Um, we need it, but never get to a point that you think you deserve it, right? I think we see a lot of folks nowadays even get to a point they think, wait a second, it's owed me. It's owed me. I think society is in that place. Just with any, it's it's owed to me. No, we don't deserve the grace of God, but we get it. He gives it to His children. Why? Because He loves us. He created us, and we had a great uh, lesson in our Faith Bible Institute class just last week on that very topic. He loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. So when through that relationship, He offers grace and peace and mercy and um, blessings. Peace means that we can have peace with God and with men. I kind of like the second part of that. Not only do we get peace with God, but we get peace with men. And that comes a little tougher sometimes. Remember First John? We, we've spent a lot of time talking about loving the brethren. Loving the brethren. And, and you can really only do that if you possess the Holy Spirit and God's working in your life, right? Because people are hard to love. I meet them all the time. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's not an necessarily an easy thing, but we're called to do it. We don't have to feel like God, you know, when we say God is a part of our lives and He's uh, given us all these favors and blessings and grace in our lives. We we shouldn't feel like though that he's I mean, he's just yeah I know he's with me all the time and man the fact that I know he's with me all the time man that, the pressure of that is because I'm I mess up all the time and if he's with me all the time he sees me mess up all the time that's that just that there's a amount of pressure there that that I feel overburdened with. We shouldn't feel like that. God's not there looking at us waiting for you to mess up. And he's just he's trying to work with you through your 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 sin and your issues, but he's not there in some some over uh hovering over us watching every little move waiting for you to mess up. That's not his his spirit. That's not what he's like. He's not evil. He's not seeking every chance to condemn and punish. He loves. He, 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 
He watches you like we would watch our kids when they were young playing. You're not hovering over them, but you got your you got one eye on them all the time, right? You know, if you could do the cross-eyed thing, watch them over here, but you're still watching TV, watching the football game and them at the same time. Dads get real good at that, don't we? But it's not a hovering thing. We're letting them try to live their lives, but we don't want them to make those critical mistakes. You know, small mistakes. Eh. We got a new, another new puppy the other day. I met my Max, I think. We got three now. I'm done. But it was playing. It was chewing on the lamp cord. And my thought is, well, I mean, it's not going to kill her, but it'll teach her not to do that again. You know? I'm not, you know, let her learn. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I did that with my kids. What were you watching? It was a yeah, I know. It was probably something good, so I may have let my kids do it. Uh, so, you know, certain things you might let them make some small mistakes. Because that's how they that's how they learn and God puts us through these events in our lives to teach us how to overcome things even in the future, right? So John's kind of given us this greeting in, in this book, and he continues and he says, uh, Grace be unto you and peace from Him. From who? From Jesus. Which is, and which was, and which is to come. I love that part. Just the, 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 the language. Which is, which was, and which is to come. I mean, what did he say to uh, uh, Moses at the burning bush? Who is he? I am the I am, right? Which is a perfect way to, to even uh, define that. He is which is, which was, and which is to come. He was here before. He's here today, and he'll be here tomorrow. I remember a, it's a hokey little saying back when my wife and I were dating I used to put it at the bottom of our you know, letter. Oh, I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. Isn't that corny? But isn't that kind of the same? Which, which, huh? That's it, pretty much. It's corny. But hey, what, what you'll do when you're courting folks, I guess. It did work, yeah. You can borrow it. I don't, I don't know if it'll work today, though. That was an, that was another age, another time. Uh, which which and so we have Jesus and God. You know, he 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 loves us more today than yesterday, and, and he loves us tomorrow too, right? I mean, he has been here and will be here. He is a constant in our lives. Now, if you grew up, there's not a lot of constants in life is there i mean i grew up in a separated family and divorced parents um here in the 80s when it was you know that was what life was there wasn't a lot of constant in life i mean it was tuesday nights dads from 6 to 9 p.m every other weekend friday at 6 to sunday at 6 and uh, you know we had that schedule bounce back and forth the best one of the, one of the best gifts my dad ever got me for christmas he thought was luggage <laughs> yeah I, it kind of fell flat with me but um you know because we were bouncing back and forth there wasn't any constant in life back then 
But you can always point at Christ and there's a constant. There's a constant that you can always, things get crazy and just out there. You open up God's Word and guess what? It's the same today as it was yesterday. And the same it's going to be tomorrow. So we have verse 4 where John's given us this greeting. and He even says, and he says, And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Um, the interpretation here that some feel like, you know, the seven spirits are, it's just a uh, description and a um, seven being in the number of fullness and completeness. And then you have the Holy Spirit. So it's the completeness and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Others, you know, might suggest different. Verse 5, and it says, and from Jesus Christ. So it's saying, you know, we're John, I'm writing to you. John, I'm writing to you. And John's saying, grace be to you and peace. And now he says, and this comes from Jesus. I'm getting ready to write these, I'm getting ready to say some things to each one of these churches, and it's just not me talking. <laughs> this is Christ talking to you. And it says, and from Jesus, who is a faithful witness. Now, as a 20-year police officer, I met a lot of witnesses over the years, and I met a lot of, you know, people, very, people very seldom tell you just the way it is. You know, they might try to sugarcoat it so as to not hurt your feelings, or they might exaggerate it, or you might have people that just exaggerate it to the point they're trying to hurt you by saying something, but there's very few just people that'll tell you just the facts. Tell me, this is the circumstance. And we have Christ here, and John saying it, and we have Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness. He's going to tell it like it is. He has seen these issues, and he he's gonna when he when we go over those specific things, it comes from Christ. And you can't argue from his witness of it. And it says that from Jesus Christ, he continues, and the first begotten of the dead. He was the first one to come from the dead and not die again. First one. That puts him in preeminence above others. And it's that resurrection that gives us the ability to expect eternal life later, right? Another description he says of Christ, the prince of the kings of the earth. I mean, he is the ultimate authority above all other authorities. Unto him that loved us, we talked about that. I mean, He loves us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. I mean, it's that washing of blood, that substitutionary atonement, that, that sacrifice that He went through for an undeserving reason, right? For no reason whatsoever, except that the reason was my sin your sin. That's the reason he had to shed his blood. And he did it. Why? Because he loves us. And through that, we're able to have that relationship with him. 
It continues in verse 6. He said, And Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. Do you know when you get to heaven, you're not just going to be in heaven to hang out? You're going to um, be a king and a priest and have a, uh, a role in the administration of heaven. I mean, that's just kind of cool. Uh, you're gonna have when he says, "You remember uh, in the uh, Armageddon, we're gonna come back on those white horses, right? We're gonna have a role in that. We're not just spectators when we get there. You're gonna have a role in this." And he made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. We also can look look at that and say that. Through those uh, positions, we don't have to go to a priest to then get and have a relationship to God, right? Your and your positional uh, authority and positional through uh, through being saved, you have that direct relationship. You're a priest to the king. You don't have to go. To a priest, we have broken down that 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 whole system that that says that you do. And in verse seven, he says, "Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall be shed well because of him." We've said it a couple times already, but. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierce him. It's going to come, and it's just when it happens, it's just going to start happening. It's going to be quick, and I mean, it's, it's it could happen any time, right? And when he does, he's going to come from the clouds, and those that that have denied him to that point. This Bible says right here, they also, uh, every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. Those that were involved, and we've all, those that uh, have denied him, those are, are those that pierced him, and they're going to wail, shall wail because of him. There's going to come a time when they're going to go, and they're, they're just going to fall on their face and be in subjection to his authority. I mean, there's going to come a time. That'll be at the same time or, or thereabouts, I'm, I'm sure, of the rapture where those of us that are saved are taken up as, as and, and we will meet him in this cloud and be taken up to immediately begin that that relationship with him in heaven. I mean, Every generation has thought it could be imminent, and it still is. It still is. Um, he continues in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. I, it's just a, it's a powerful thing to me. If you, if you just open, if you look toward Genesis 1-1 and you start reading, and in the beginning, God created. And then we're now in Revelation chapter 1. And guess what? Uh, God's going to come down in this cloud and take us up. Guess what? It's the same God. 
the same it's the same one which which was and which is and which always will be uh, he created us and he created us to um, so that he could love his creation and and I heard uh, John Yates uh, said Thursday in our FBI I don't think anybody is in here it's in FBI right now um, when he was talking about this topic about God's love and, and creation he, he was saying you know he the study of creation and he was really getting off into this theistic evolution type of discussion um, I have a little bit of time, so I'll, I'll, I'll fill in a little bit there. But he was saying, you know, a lot of uh, Christians nowadays, in an effort to compromise with uh, uh, evolution, have said, well, okay, we'll give you the millions of years within certain days. We'll kind of compromise. And one of the things that uh, Yates discussed, and, and I think it's a great point, he goes, there's no reason to compromise with, with evolution. Uh, when you look at the uh, history and the science behind it, it falls flat. There's nothing to it. So he says, you know, and, and when you compromise that, then you start changing the seven-day creation and you start taking out the fact that if you put millions of years between um, days of creation and the fall well there was no death until, until the fall but if we have these millions of years then there would have had to be death before the fall and if you take out death prior to the fall then, then death wasn't a result of sin and if death, death wasn't a result of sin why do you need Christ's um, sacrifice on the cross why do we need that to, to be able to atone for sin? Which is this death, sin separates us from God. It's that. So you begin to change your theology. Going back to what we said earlier, don't change your theology through that. And, and you know, by doing that, you see that God put those steps in place. He loves this creation. And he loves each one of us. And he went into a real in-depth study of, um, you know, how the molecular biology and the, 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 the degrees and tenths of a degree of everything, if you change one thing in the universe when it comes to molecular physics, that everything else falls apart. And when you look at all that stuff, how can it not be by an intelligent designer? By God. Yeah. That same thought changing just one mm -hmm. fraction of, of, of those cells that changes the whole universe. Change and it collapses. If you change anything in Scripture, all of Scripture collapses. Well, and I think that's a great point too. If you start adding things where it doesn't say, like um, you know, throwing uh, theistic evolution into it when it doesn't say. Well, the, like you years. said, things fall apart. Go ahead. Millions of years of creation. I mean, the sun wasn't created until the fourth day. Right. Uh, what happened to the plants that were built on the third day? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's it falls apart. Yeah. If if your foundation is scripture, and it really falls apart when you look at science. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, it falls apart. It just doesn't. Yeah, um, you know, this really doesn't fall within our discussion necessarily, but, uh, you know, Darwin uh, began his theory because he was uh, an atheist. And he was an atheist because he, I want to say it was a daughter that got sick and he prayed for healing and she died. And so he went and uh, began to hate God and went toward atheism and then developed a theory that fit his worldview. And here we go with evolution, even though, and I... And yet his later writings, he was reversing it. Yeah, he did, and began to kind of suggest that even, I want to say he had some statement to say that having made all of this up, there's no proofs in science to back it up. What? (laughs) Well, then it's just fantasy. Well, let's leave that yeah. Yeah. It's just so. But nowadays we're into the to the point that we have to that Christianity feels like they have to bend toward that for some reason, and and we shouldn't. We shouldn't because we've been kind of brainwashed to think that science backs up evolution, and it just doesn't. It doesn't. You have the stories of the fruit flies and different things and none of that backs up evolution. Yeah, I uh, said when I was out at the refinery a couple of years ago and I was watching these steam vents that hot water shoots out every once in a while just into mud and I I sit there for hours watching that mud seeing if somebody crawled out of it. (laughs) I never saw it happen. But that's kind of what I, because they they want to tell you, well, it was these steam vents in mud that kind of molecularized, and all of a sudden you have humans. And so, honestly, I'd sit there and watch the, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and they've been blowing on that mud pile for 20, 30 years probably. (laughs) And I looked, and I have not, I couldn't find an arm and a leg in there anywhere. But God loves us, and you know, and He's the one who created us, and and we're the ones who messed it up. We're the ones. So, and through that, He's given us a way to 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 fix that relationship. And then, I say He's given us. He made it so easy for us through through Jesus' sacrifice. And sinless life to to be able to say you know what we just always we, we believe in him and we can go back to the way it was again I'll go back to FBI he says people like to say well if God's God how come he didn't create a creation that had no uh, sickness or no death when the reality is he did <laughs> that is the way he created it and you know we're the ones who messed it up but now we're in revelation and he's got some final thoughts to a few of these churches before he gets into here's what the end of the world and my final conquering of sin and satan is i got some final thoughts to churches because god knew he knows when he's coming back no man knows right but he does and he knows that through Scripture and through inspiration, this letter was going to be passed down to churches throughout the ages. 
And it's an application not only to these specific churches, but to the church age. And as we'll see, all seven of these churches have a unique um, point to them. And it's a lesson to the churches. Get it right because I'm coming anytime. Get it right. The Bible up to this point has been very focused on, you know, us as individuals. Get it right. Here's the path, right? Here's the path. Now we get to Revelation and we get this, this overall point in these next few chapters chapters of the church as a corporal body get it right get it right and we have some of the epistles pointing us in that direction as well in the new testament but we have a final emphasis of the the church that puts that really puts the emphasis that that we should take from it and the emphasis that christ puts on the church i mean in his in the final book he's taking the time to spell out a final note to these seven churches. Not seven individuals. Not a final note to, uh, you know, of remembrance to his twelve apostles. No, to seven churches. Because that's, you know, that's the method that he had built going forward that was going to be used to spread the gospel and his love, his love of people. So as we begin even next week and we start getting into the specific churches here in a week or two, um, keep that focus on it. You know, it's, it's not, it seems disconnected from the final revelation, but in reality, I mean, it's, kind of, it's a, here's the last word. As, as churches, as corporate bodies, get it right. I'm coming imminently coming soon and this is the way it's going to happen and, and those those events they're, they're connected and why it why hasn't he come yet let me ask you that question because there, there's still folks to be saved and these lessons that he's going to give us in the first in these first few chapters as a church is to fix things so that we can better reach people and and be reaching folks and we're continuing to see people saved my goodness I had somebody ask me just the other day when, when are we going to expand the sanctuary <laughs> I'm like whoa really I mean I sit up front so I don't see it very often but I, I'm like wow are we are we that getting that that's just so cool there's some awesome things happening at Central Baptist Church and the ministries and the, and the school and what 70 some kids now I mean I mean it's just amazing but the last one hasn't been saved yet has it no we still have work to do and these are all lessons pointing us in the direction to, to get that done alright I got 15 after last, last points last thoughts guys are just too quiet today yeah so I told you that uh, you can listen to if you miss a week or two and you're just want to stay on uh, the lessons if you go to this website if you just put that into any web browser that'll take you to see and I think people write it down and here comes the phones to take a picture yeah um, that'll take you to the website of the podcast that has the uh, lessons on it if you want to listen to it by all means um, 
I'm, I think, a week or two behind. I need to get it caught up this week, so but we'll get that done. Uh, I just found it interesting. Maybe it's the other folks that find it interesting. How many countries uh, mm -hmm. are listening to our pod? How it's big just, is our Sunday school class? It's, you know, that is. I, uh, right now, I think we're at 82. Uh, 82 countries around the world that have literally heard from this class. I think that's, you know, talk about seeds being planted in places we have no idea. One of the top countries right now in downloads is India. Um, outside of the United States, but India is one of the top countries that, that I'm seeing pop up. Um, they've had over 800 like in the last three months. That's kind of neat to me. You know, in those, in those, yeah, 800. So it's just, it's neat to see, again, seeds being planted that you guys have a part of that we won't know the impact of till heaven. So, all right, let's uh, have a word of prayer and then we'll uh, go to services. Ken, you want to release us? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day and, and for our church that we can come to. Lord, many of us here today.